Give me sexy. Rice taters, precious. <laughs> I love I, it. Give it to me. It's time it's go to time. Down. Well, I thought we had something. Rings of Power. This is episode five. Episode five, episode four for us. The show actually opened up with the Harfoots um, and the Stranger. They were making their way downtown. Uh, they were started talking about uh, what the Stranger could be. Nori was rattling off a couple different races and such, but uh, you chimed in. You had a really good point about all the different kinds of Harfoots or Hobbits. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, apparently there were three different kinds of hobbits, mm-hmm. which I actually didn't really... Now, where where does it say that there was three different types of hobbits? Um, so, I was listening to the audio audiobook version of The Lord of the Rings, and it's in the prologue. It's like okay. the first five minutes. Really? Because when Harfoots were introduced to Rings of Power, mm-hmm. I was like, I've never heard of Harfoots. And then, like, literally the first five minutes of Lord of the Rings is like, Harfoots. It's like, oh... Connection. They really snuck that under our nose there. Yeah. I, and again, I wouldn't have known that. I've I'm still in the Hobbit. I haven't gotten to the Lord of the Rings. So, mm-hmm. um, I that that's pretty interesting. Do you know what the three races are? Yeah. So uh, the Harfoots were by far the most numerous. Uh, this is from Wikipedia, by the way. Okay. Um, so they are the first to enter the land of Eriador, uh, which contain the Shire and Bree. Um, they're the smallest in stature, browner of skin. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're known for being the migration type. And then you have okay. the Fallowhides, which were the least numerous, and they were the second group to enter Eriador, so the Breeshire area there. All right. And they were fair-haired, taller, and slimmer than the other hobbits. And then you had the Stores, okay. which were the second most numerous group of hobbits. So now in order we have Harfoot, Stores, and then the Fallowhides. All right. Um, and... These hobbits were apparently very different than the other two groups. They were stockier and slightly shorter. Also, the only group whose males were able to grow beards. Interesting. Which, I, that, well, I didn't even know that. The hobbits we, can't grow beards. Huh? We, we see um, the leading Harfoot, whoever the Harfoot leader is. That dude's got some chops. He's got some chops. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose it's not a beard, though. Yeah. is some chops. I, I it sounds like that Frodo Samwise and them they they come from the latter one does do you know so I think which one would you say that they were from I think they the all short like stocking? became so I think they all kind of became the same thing oh. they melded into one because it sounds like they all came into they the all be door. fucking yeah okay so that's what I'm thinking yeah that well that's what I was going to suggest about them Harfoots if they're if they're the most populated because it makes sense that, yeah they're just traveling and fucking. From there, we see that the uh, Nori and her family, they started to get on the move, and the stranger was there to help them because, uh, yeah, dad broke his ankle two episodes ago or so, and so they were needing some assistance because they would not leave a Harfoot behind. But apparently, the rest of the Harfoots left them behind. Right. Yeah, they they just totally went against their code. But we see that uh, Nori, she started singing lovely voice. I really... That that felt like a very Metal Earth themed as well as Irish, I would say. Some Irish folk to it. So it seemed something that the Hobbits would sing. It was an attempt. Yeah? I, I don't know. Like, 
the 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 way that so I wasn't feeling it so much. No, like I I did not enjoy Harfoot's the musical as much as you did. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was kind of pointless. Like in Lord of the Rings, whenever there was a singing portion, Uh it was like very impactful. It was. It, it's hard to describe, but there was just an element of superficiality. Okay. In the way that Rings of Power did it, that doesn't quite meet the mark. They they were just trying to check the box of yeah. include a little theatrical yeah. song. And don't get me wrong, yeah. Tolkien definitely has his fair share of cheesy songs and okay. thankfully they didn't all make it into the movies. But I like I'm referring mm. specifically to the movies. The movies themselves like the, the the songs there were just very impactful. I'm gonna check out the Tolkien soundtrack then. And see, dude, just YouTube I, I bet Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. Yeah, your mind's gonna be blown. Okay, well, we're on the topic about uh, the music and such. Uh, we haven't actually talked about it, but I made sure to make it a note of it. Episode one saw that Bear McGreary. He is the composer. For anybody that doesn't know Bear, uh, he just made the soundtrack for God of War Ragnarok. Oh, that guy. Okay, yeah. I can I can definitely hear it now the realm where it's coming from Norse mm. mythology and Middle Earth. I yeah. can see the resemblance in his work. That's okay. nice. I like it. I say, I say that I appreciate uh, Nori's chords, her vocal talents there because I can tell that it was more Hobbit where we heard earlier uh, Durin's wife. We heard her singing in the caves to free those miners that the the dwarf miners that got stuck in the cavern so i can i can appreciate the different cultures of it yeah i i see what you're saying i think that they did a good job with what's her name disa 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 mm-hmm. yeah with her singing um like that was impactful that was meaningful i get it she was singing to the rocks to for the miners and they were they all ended up being okay anyways yeah which i guess i don't know but nori she had a great voice yeah but yeah, for and sure. then and then think of uh, the elves singing uh, uh, any of their chant. Yeah, it, uh, it very different from where yeah. where you hear the dwarves singing because uh, the hobbits when they were mm-hmm. singing uh, the Hobbit movie when the dwarves were singing very different from what uh, Bilbo or the Harfoots would be singing. Yeah, Nori. not too much happens with the Harfoots this uh, this episode here. Uh, because now they we've got some cultists that are going after the stranger. You see yeah. them inspecting that crash site yeah. of his. What do you think's up with the cult members? Would you call They're... them cult members? That seemed very cult-like to me. Oh, that was very cult-like for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it could go one of two ways here. Either you have the cult members are looking to kill the stranger mm-hmm. or looking to maybe like us, their disciples or something. Okay. I'm not too sure. There mm-hmm. hasn't really been too much indication, but it, aside from them being bad. Yeah. But. Ooh, they're bad. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're suspecting evil. The yeah. white was misleading. The, <laughs> the white, it's just the way that she like stared in the camera is very like um, obvious of that person's a bad person. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take it there. We'll see where that picks up. Uh, then we see the Harfoots, they've made uh, their way, and the, uh, Nori, her family, they start to be attacked by some kind of beast. Stranger comes up and saves them. Uh, he can scrap. Yeah. yeah, he can scrap. Magical scrap. What do you think those beasts were? I, I have zero idea what that was. No idea. Some kind of wolf. They referred yeah. to wolf. When when they saw the footprint in the ground first and they kind of zoomed in, I'm like, is that a ward? Mm-hmm. And then there was like some weird like wolf bear. 
Yeah, yeah, because we haven't we've seen the warg, so I would have thought that they were traveling in the Southlands. Yeah, I do believe, uh, so that they would have came across the warg. But maybe it's the warg is whatever that is mutated. Maybe it's the composer bear that you were talking about earlier. That, he's the one <laughs> composing. He's leading it. <laughs> so. Uh, that's kind of where that left off. The stranger, he got hurt, and he was healing his hand with ice, icing it in yeah. a pond, chanting something. I, I didn't pick up what that was. Um, I didn't either. I don't know if that was Elvish. Yeah. Uh, he ends up hurting Nori, and that's the end of the storyline for those guys. Yeah, which was a very stupid scene, if I might add. Like, yeah, you weren't <laughs> feeling that? No, it's like, come on, man. It's turning his hand into, like, his arm ice. into ice, mm-hmm. and then Nori's like... I'm gonna touch it, <laughs> and then she's surprised when it's like stuck. It, when it sucks, yeah. yeah. And then like you know the stranger's like in his little trance thing, and then all of a sudden Nora flies backwards. <laughs> and then Nora's like kind of cowering from the stranger's like, dude, you've known that he has magical abilities and to stay yeah. away. You know that he doesn't really have control of his faculties too much here. You know what happens when you stick your tongue against the cold pole? Yeah, it's like what do you think's gonna happen, genius? <laughs> So yeah. uh, we'll we'll leave it there. We'll see where that picks up. Episode six, talking about Aaron Deer, Bronwyn, and Adar, plus Theo. Can't fucking forget Theo. Um, so it it began with uh, Adar. He was soaking up the sun, getting his tan on there. I that was very interesting because he's uh, he's he's elf. Yeah, right? he's part elf. I think he was like one of the part first elf. corrupted. Okay, orcs or gotcha. so, something like that. He might be full elf. I'm, I'm not too sure. A part of him is like orc. Like Four first elves, gen, yeah, yeah. If he was first gen orc, I think that's what it is. First when, gen, yeah. What generation would you think that they are? Because that's a complete different generation of yeah. orcs from what we see in Lord I mean, of the we're Rings. Thousands and thousands. I think they mentioned something like Goldabad orcs. I think in the Hobbit. Okay. Um. So that's Gold-bad. probably a specific region that they're from. And like we're talking, I don't know what the orc lifespan is. That's a good one. It's a good one for Google next time. Yeah, it could be. I mean, Lord of the Rings time span could be a few generations if they live forever, or it could be... Because you know. when they're born, we were seeing uh, at Lord of the Rings two towers. Mm. What um, two towers, though? Sauron's. That's a little bit of a side tangent, but there's like this whole debate. We'll get into it later. Is it? Yeah. Okay, I had I have zero idea. I've heard that <laughs> theory, and I'm like, I know everything now. <laughs> yeah. I read it one time. I'm good now. But, yeah, we're talking generations, I think, in, in terms of these orcs. Because they, okay. they can handle sunlight just fine. They don't seem to be so that by it. <laughs> that rounds us back to rings of power, uh, where we see Adar he he exposes the one orc's arm and it starts sizzling, yeah, he's smelling like jerky there. But he was talking about how he appreciates Are the you sun. Because like I could kind of I was kind of thinking food. jerky too. Were you? Yeah, I, I have to get some jerky, jerky later. Nice. Okay. I was, I was like, I've got some waffles, <laughs> some peanut some butter, and jerky. some jelly. I've had alligator jerky. I haven't had orc jerky before. It's probably a little saltier. All right, so Adar, I would say, because of all of his sun soaking that he's doing right now, before it all goes away, uh, yeah. he actually seems quite pale. <laughs> he's, he's a pale guy. He needs to work on his tan. And there is actually kind of a really cool line that Adar says there. When the sun is gone, so basically implying when mortar is created, the part of him that knew the sun will be gone as well. So does that mean he's just going to be full orc when mortar is created, or...? Or he's just being a depressed yeah. little bitch. So, oh, or it's just more he, foreshadowing. He's, he's just a teenage yeah. girl. He's no better. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Aaron Deer. They're down there in the Southlands as well. We see the psycho from the barn. He he was 
packing Sauron's sword beforehand before Theo picked, stole it from him. The psycho from the barn, he's rallying up the troops there at their watchtower. He's like, come on, we're going to live. Yeah. Come with me. Bronwyn's trying to fight up against the orcs and mm-hmm. Waldreg is being the Debbie Downer there. What What's his name again? Waldreg. Waldreg? Yeah. Okay. Uh, sounds like a psychotic name. So they, they end up, they want to go down and, and serve Sauron. This actually scares the little bitch sneaky Theo, Thieven, because he tries taking it out on Arendir where he's like, you're an elf, why don't you just fucking leave? You're not my stepdaddy. <laughs> and Arendir's yeah. like, but I want to be. <laughs> yeah, uh, but then Bronwyn's also like, get the fuck out of here, you ain't his stepdaddy. But that's because they find out that Theo's holding on to the sword, uh, Sauron's sword, and that they're actually hanging out in Sauron's summer house. Sick. They're in the Southlands because they tear down the vines and see big old Sauron yeah. and a, a sculpting to him. I thought that was a hilarious magic trick there. Arendir right. sees, sees the sword and is like, I have seen this before. And then he like turns around and then it's like uncovers a bush like right there. It's like, what? (laughs) Where did that come from? Just pull that out of a hat. I I think he saw it earlier in the show. Like he was when he first got there. Was it earlier in the show? I think it was a very quick, uh, you you blink and you'll miss it because yeah, he was like, whoa, what is this on the wall? There's some weird carving in the wall. Psych. It's Sauron's medieval lightsaber. (laughs) Basically what it is. Right. You're not wrong. Light that up. Yeah, so they're staying in uh, Sauron's summer home. That's Watchtower Ostrith there on the outside of the Southlands. But we'll catch back up to Psycho there, the Psycho of the Barn who wanted to go and worship Sauron. He doesn't even know who he's committing his allegiance to <laughs> because he shows up and Adar's like, You stupid little bitch. I am not Sauron. Yeah, now kill your friend. Yeah. It, got, it got dark. Not too much happened with the Numenorean storyline. Um, basically, they were just getting ready to set sail, take Ladro over to the Southlands, and give the kingdom over to Halbrand. We definitely had a lot of uh, more guidance, I think, from the showrunners here in terms of who Sauron yeah. is. Because Adar very clearly like denied that he's Sauron. You think then, so? Yeah, I mean, smack the dude. Like, I'm not Sauron. Get out of here. Kill your friend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Adar was, wasn't feeling it. Yeah, which... The show has been kind of directing us to think that he's Sauron. And then they kind of take that away. I really thought so, too. And, and yeah, it was that he is an elf. Again, I thought so because of the Shadow of War and yeah. Shadow of Mordor game. He he was an elf in that one. I'm going to stick with Halbron. Yeah, and this show definitely, this episode, I mean, had a lot of indicators to that. Like him just mm-hmm. kind of gazing to the fire like you brought up a little bit earlier. And him being a blacksmith, like... Sauron was known to forge things. Yeah, I was going to say because uh, according to the lore, Sauron, he he somehow influences, tricks Calabrimbor into forging the rings. And so I really think that he has to have forging knowledge. I don't know. There's a little bit of misdirect for me. Yeah. And that. I don't know if you caught this too, but it, he also, in that scene where Gladwell's fighting um, Valandil and the Seaguard people. The Seaguard um, boys. He kind of like walks over a sword and then like, flicks it up super cool like yeah i i was i caught that it was very elfish or or higher being yeah it wasn't something that you'd see from a typical dude Uh, of the southlands yeah a king of the southlands even even though king you you've got maybe erendir down there in in the southlands right now but he's an elf yeah and so he would probably be able to flick something up like that so 
again, I think it was something higher being. Overall, that scene was just really, really well done. I think it's my favorite scene up to this point here. Um, Just you get to see kind of elvish skill on Mm -hmm. display, and you get to see kind of like the the clumsy sword fighting that the Numenorians have. Of the 50-year-old children. Yeah, like, yeah. So apparently they're well the Numenoran, so they live forever. <laughs> would you, would you take on fifty-year-old uh, children or fifteen-year-old adults? <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, Isildur definitely acts like a like a little kid, <laughs> <laughs> but apparently he's like almost fifty. So there's that. But yeah, um, it was it was cool watching them get spanked by Gladril. And the really cool thing that I liked about it, the thing that like really solidify the fact that that was the, my favorite scene was that uh, she was showing how to fight orcs mm-hmm. like while so she was teaching them how to fight orcs while demonstrating it so she was saying like you don't want to be you don't want to try and brute force an orc right and that's the same exact thing that uh, that one seagar dude was doing to, mm-hmm. to her like trying to straight up brute force and overpower her and she was just kind of like Dance she just away. swift and she actually knocked them all yeah. into the prison. Yeah. That was pretty funny because, yeah, it was very elegant, but then as well, like, time slowed down for her. She was able to sit there and communicate. She yeah. she is the elf not to mess with. She took on uh, that troll, episode one, and so that really set pace. And what's the deal with Halbren not wanting the crown? I had so many notes on that because he he mentioned it several times. He didn't want to go back to the Southlands. Yeah. They so again he mentioned he was escaping something. He did something bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he again looking deep into the fire. There was a lot of connections to that because then it would cut to the orcs during that episode, pointing more towards Halbron. He's Sauron. I'm I'm sticking with that. Yeah, it's making more and more sense. But yeah, he said he didn't want the crown, and he didn't want to go back to the Southlands. And what is the dark past? Because he's being awfully sweet now. That doesn't sound like Sauron, who just slaughtered so many people in the name of Morgoth. Yeah. It's it's definitely interesting. We're getting a little bit of a, some hints here. There's definitely so much foreshadowing in the show, like... How long is it going to take before the Southlands become Mordor at this point? So we're seeing a lot, like, it seems to be shifting there with Numenor. There's supposed to be that civil war that's going on in Numenor right now. And so I I felt that really when they were in that uh, Colosseum area having a debate and such. Yeah. It looked like a real Greek debate. That was quite interesting because it was getting really heated. Something that you would see about to light off a powder keg. Yeah, and Farazhan, the way that he walks into the room and he's like, my father would rather die than take orders from an elf. Oh, oh yeah, thinking he's a big boy now. Got yeah. his big boy underwear on. And yeah. can talk to daddy like that. Which, I mean, like, think about it. It's only Galadriel that's there. Yeah. Like, like there was a scene earlier where, I think uh, it was either this episode or the last one, where they're like, oh, yeah, the elves are going to take our jobs. Mm-hmm. So last like, episode, yeah. yeah. Look, man, I don't think that they're going to take your job mining, because I feel like elves are above that. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, or whatever it is that, that you guys do. It's just Galadriel. It's not like you have a whole bunch of elves that you're welcoming in. Yeah, aside you, from that. You were leaving off with uh, our on the king of Numenor there. I thought that this guy was being a little bit too shady as well, this episode. How so? I'm going to say that he was shady from what I read in the books where he wants to sail on Valinor, attack the Valar, and get his immortality. But now he's trying to hustle Metal Earth. Did you catch that where he was like, oh, taking orders from an elf? 
they'll be taking orders from me because I'm going to save this world. Because he wanted to have all of the transportation of all the goods. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and uh, now that I didn't know about the Civil War going into it. Mm -hmm. And uh, since you mentioned that, it it does make a lot of sense because, you know, you have King Farazon taking the anti-elf stance. And then you have Muriel and King Tarplantir Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. talking about how she's basically restoring her connection with the elves or their connection with the elves. Um, Tarplantir, again, more foreshadowing. She's like, how much more foreshadowing do we need? We get it. Uh, he says something along the lines right. that the only thing that awaits Muriel in Middle-earth once she sails from Numenor is darkness. Is darkness. I wonder what that could be foreshadowing. Mordor. And I'm calling it. Calling Mordor? Mm-hmm. Yeah? They're in the Southlands? I mean, yeah. obviously, if you know anything about Lord of the Rings. But you were explaining to me earlier what Tar Palantir, what Palantir was actually meaning. Yeah. So because like, we saw the Palantirs earlier. Yeah, I think um, Palin and Tear are different words in Quenya. Mm-hmm. I think Palin means to gaze or far or something along the lines. Okay. And then Tear means far. It's one of the two. It means to gaze far, basically, the two broken up. Palantir. Gotcha. To see far. Yeah, to see far, to gaze far for uh, for knowledge. Okay. Um, it's and, and you've noticed, you know, some of these elves have, especially in Lord of the Rings, like you have more elf ability on display yeah uh, where they can kind of see the future a little bit that's right maybe tar power of the rings yeah maybe him being of royal bloodline got that gifted from elros okay interesting elros the first king of numenor gotcha Uh, elros was elrond's brother his twin brother choosing immortality was he the king he was the first king of numenor okay because he chose to be man Hmm. uh, where elrond chose to be immortal with an elf him and Galadriel were going off about whose dagger Galadriel had because if you remember he cut her loose with the dagger he returned it to her and everything her brother's right it was her brother's dagger mm-hmm. who killed her brother Sauron oh, oh and he made note of that mm-hmm. oh okay yeah like that so, dagger looks familiar yeah he he saw he was now I watched that again he uh double looked it Sauron is Halbrand I'd put money on that now right a lot, <laughs> a lot like three dollars what money? Bitcoin. No, not with Bitcoin. <laughs> um, to so, the moon, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Diamond hands. Last piece about Numenor and Halbron, mm. um, that uh, he gets summoned by the queen because then he, he has to go up to see Galadriel, Queen Muriel, and Arpharazon because they're going to be making a decision on whether or not they sail to the Southlands. Yeah. So he gets summoned. You see him rip his pouch off and set it on the table, and it gets snatched up super quick. Who do you think that... Ooh. Who snatched the pouch? Oh, I didn't catch that. Right? Who snatched, Ooh, uh, who's the pouch snatcher? Hashtag who's the pouch snatcher. <laughs> Get that trending. I'm going to snatch your pouch. <laughs> okay. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Save that for the after dark. <laughs> and then last, he he is covered in rings. He, uh, when he's all armored up and everything, they decide to sail. He's covered in the rings. Would you say that he's the Lord of the Rings? I would say he is the Lord of the Rings. Okay, is that who it's named after? Pretty sure it's all about. <laughs> yeah. It's all just about him. He is the Lord of the Rings. It's all about Sauron. It's all about the devil. It's all okay. about Satan. <laughs> uh, again, don't forget that he was a follower of Morgoth. Like, what's the bigger story with Morgoth then? Morgoth is well. Morgoth is the devil. And then Sauron's like his main disciple, dude. Too too close. Yeah, too close. So many Tolkien. 
Too close. Yeah. Yeah, last piece. Uh, Ellen Deal, that, so they're getting ready to go sail to the Southlands. Mm-hmm. Ellen Deal, he has on him, I caught it just barely, he has Ouroboros on his cowl, his, not a cowl, a cape, a yeah. satchel thing. Um, yeah, so basically Ouroboros was written before Lord of the Rings and apparently was the inspiration to the trilogy. Very fascinating. I, I would not have seen that if I didn't watch it a yeah. second time. I read Ouroboros when I was young. It, I got to reread it. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I have no idea. I, I just know of the symbol. Just yeah. uh, snake eating the tail. And then um, along the Numenorians, checking yeah. in with Isildur. Not too much happens. Takes a couple punches from Valandil. Mm. And then all of a sudden, Isildur wants to join the Sea Guard. I totally forgot about Isildur, this fucking guy. He just an annoying little teenager right now, but he ends up not saving the world later. 50 going on 15. Right. Yeah, so we looked at it. He he appears to be like 18, but again, Numenorians they live to be about 300 years. So he's got to be 50 is the new 18. He's got to be about 50 years old. With this, did you feel like a, an odd connection, like a redemption story for him as he's seeking out his father's permission to get back on the Sea Guard? I mean, he did save the boat. Well, not the boat, but he saved Farazhan's son, whatever his face is. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. he was lighting the boat on fire. Yeah, and he got knocked out by a hook. Like, I was kind of, Jeez. Some of the things that happen in this TV show, just like, it's like, dude. Okay. A little pecker boy. Yeah. Um, so Sidor rescues him and then he lies to Ellen Dill's like, what happened? And then he's like, oh, oil can must've gone up. I was out in a fishing boat with Farazhan's son here, but we're innocent. Nice try. Yeah. Nice try. I bet that's going to come back and bite him in the ass. But as well, do you think that it's still moving towards like redemption of him and what his actions from Lord of the Rings? If I remember my Sidor lore properly and again rings of power can take a completely different direction sldor is kind of a kind of a failure like he's not he tries and then he doesn't quite get there so we think that it's going to bite him in the ass that he saved that i think he's always going to be a boy. hopefully we find out who's calling his name uh from That's right the sea whatever the hell is going on there he's, he's high on crack yeah and then we'll ultimately see him fail and die Excellent point that you uh, we watched earlier, though, was when his friend told him, he said, I really hope that you can find something you're willing to die for. Yeah. He does, bitch. He dies for the ring because he can't save it because he's an idiot. Yeah. And so I, I well, don't feel like he can be redeemed. I think in the third book, they, they show his death. Like, he just kind of takes a few arrows, like, on a normal, like, patrol. Like, not even, like, for a real, like, He He drowned. Uh, um, well, it, if I recall, just from the Lord of the Rings movie, he drowned. Yeah. Um, he took arrows to the back. Yeah, and he drowned. It's the Lord does not have a happy ending. No. Spoiler alert. Watch Lord of the Rings like all of us, in the same order. I think that's all I've got for Numenor. Halbron. So I got. So I guess we'll move on to Elrond and Durin. Checking back in with those guys. We didn't get to see them too much, but I do think that their story was fascinating. Yeah. So like last episode was quantity. This Mm -hmm. episode was quality. I I really enjoyed. Well, I I really like the Elrond Durin storyline quite a bit. We open up with them kind of eating uh, dinner with King Gilgalad. Gilgalad. Um, Good old King Gigi. Kind of poking around, seeing what information he could get from Durin. 
Yeah. It's like, so, uh, see those uh, forges have been turned on. What you got going yeah. on there? He, he's being real sneaky about something. Yeah. He, he's he's trying to get after something. Do you think he knows about the mithril? Later yeah. on, you have this whole scene with um, with Elrond and Celebrimbor, where Celebrimbor is basically like, yeah, I knew you were sent out there for the mithril this whole time. Well, they, they the both... The forge. King Gilgalad and Calabrimbor, they both talked with Elrond. Elrond, he had some high honor points. Oh, keeping. in terms of keeping his oath? Yeah. Like, I mean... Is it a... Is it, uh, what do you think that die cast was uh, for his honor Freaking points? maxing it out. Well, but then again, like, here's the thing. Lord of the Rings, oaths are taken seriously. Like, mm-hmm. that's just... In Middle-earth, that's just the way it is. Because if you think about it, going back to... Uh, shoot, I think it was the Two Towers. The whole yeah. reason why Aragorn can go back and call upon the army of a dead was because of an oath to, like, his... I think it was, like, his grandparents. Yeah, it, oath it goes a very long ways. Very, yeah. very cool. I had no idea. It, it seemed like King Gilgalad, he was really pushy about it, though. He was like, get this because it's going to save our life force. Yeah. But the then, life force is the tree? Yeah, I guess it, I guess their life essence is bound to the tree in one way or another. So if the tree's not doing too hot, they're not doing too hot. You could see it was black veiny, mm-hmm. like the cow. Yeah, it started black to die ears. out a little bit. Okay. Not, not looking too healthy. Good old King Gigi was definitely prodding a little bit there. Yeah. And then Durin, like, the dude the dude <laughs> nails it. Like, he, the way he dodges the question, he's more like, <laughs> <laughs> it takes you guys forever to decide when to take a shit. <laughs> and then he's like, so where'd you guys get this uh, stone from? <laughs> <laughs> You're just sitting in here mining all your all your own stone. Yeah, you have no idea. Because again, we were talking uh, last episode how dwarves they're really connected to the mountains and the stone and such, whereas the elves are really connected to the trees. Yeah, exactly. And then King Gilgalad, his response is like, "Oh yeah, you you can take the stone back so that you can treat it with the proper respect." Right. It's like, oh, that's sarcasm right there. I love it. But yeah, he was being real shady. And so that makes me really think of like why the elves are hated by the yeah. other races. Because yeah, they do look down their nose, but then they're they like, do. King Gilgalad's being real political, a real political bitch, trying to pull a fast one on the dwarves or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, I'm not going to let his shadiness fly because then Calabrimbor's given in to this and he's gaslighting Elrond. He's like, I remember when your father set sail to the Valinor. And it's like, this isn't about him, old man. Don't <laughs> gaslight me. Yeah, and in that same scene too, there was a, a cool little bit of insight there. The the song, The Roots of the Thyglir. Um, this song that talks about a story about like, there's this tree um, mm-hmm. and then he had this elven warrior battling against this Balrog. And the Balrog! Two, so the two basically the combined energy, like lightning uh, struck the tree and the forging of the conflict created something as quote as pure and light as good and strong and unyielding as evil Hmm. so sounds like mithril things light it's pure and it's strong and unyielding that's how king yogalad's like oh yeah guess the dwarves found the mithril and that's what can help us survive that really puts elrond in a pickle so then he goes and has a little chat with his buddy Prince Durin, who's mm-hmm. come with him to Irigon, uh, yeah. Elvish Smiths. Uh, what was going on with Elrond and, and Durin this episode? Yeah, so uh, Elrond finally comes clean. Yeah. In terms of, like, he f- figures out that good old King Gigi sent him over to, f- to, to <laughs> learn more about the Mithril. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> he really holds it over him now. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then Elrond's like, I really want to break my oath. I didn't, but this is why. And then Durin's like, give me the meat and give it to me raw. <laughs> and I'm like, 
They knew when they wrote it. <laughs> they just knew. It really reminded me of uh, Samwise's uh, Potatoes. Boil them, mash them, <laughs> stick them in a stew. Yep, yep. Yeah, Duran, I was a big fan of his footwear. Did you see his steel-toed sandals? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, steel toe. I loved it. What are those? <laughs> <laughs> he was just strutting in those things. He's like, I've got to save the entire elf race. All in my fancy shoes. Not want a steel toe up my ass. That would be quite unpleasant. That, that made me think, seeing those steel toe sandals, what his feet must really freaking look like. Those are some <laughs> feet finder teasers. Oh, <laughs> He's got feet. Oh, jeez. And that, that can be his tagline. Give me the meat, give it to me raw <laughs> for his feet finder profile. That's <laughs> uh, a good that's th- a good thing that's like based off the Middle Ages, not right? modern day. <laughs> that leads Durin now to save the fucking day now. America. Dude, maybe maybe Tolkien has something with feet, man. You think Hobbits, so? The big like those were some honking slippers. Yeah. So yeah, now uh, Elrond and Durin, they are back off to Khazad-dûm. They're going to go chat with King Durin about getting some mithril to go help the elvish race. Do you think they're going to go for it? What do you predict uh, next episode? I mean, the whole relationship with Durin and Durin has been, uh, it's been weird. Like, sometimes yeah. they're, they're buddy buddies, and then they're like, there's a conflict, and they're buddy buddies again. It's like, what the heck is going on? They're spies. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who fucking knows Like, now. just have a normal conversation with each other for once. I'm very curious to see how it goes. Because we all we all know how Khazad-dûm ends up in Lord of the Rings. So, But yeah, I think that concludes all of our storylines. Episode 5 of Rings of Power. Ka-chow. Ka-chow. Cheers. This has been MDC Podcast. We want to thank you for listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, and tell Grandma. We're dropping new episodes every Sunday and Thursday. Let us hear what we should do next down in the comments. Nimure, you dorks. Yeah.